Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the Only Fee Only podcast. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Couldn't do it without you guys and frankly wouldn't want to because you're the ones that keep us going. So thank you for taking your time and, and spending some time with us and listening to the podcast. We hope it's super valuable. Any feedback you have, you know how we roll. Feel free to give it and uh, be as blunt as you want with it because it always makes us better understanding what it is that you guys want to hear. So in this episode, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're actually going to do a mashup style podcast where we talk to a lot of different advisors so far. So in this episode, we want to highlight some of those conversations for people that haven't been able to listen to all of the podcasts in their entirety. So this first one is going to be Angel Escobedo with Que Paso Planning Partners out of Texas. And he talks about something really awesome. He talks about alleviating pain points first to create immediate value when you're doing financial planning for people. And I think it's a great thing to do. Um, I think it's just one of those ways where you can immediately create trust and create value and, and make people understand why they should be paying to work with you as a financial planner. So this is Angel Escobedo. I designed my entire spiel around, you know, like, hey, like, I know what you're going through. Like, I know what's stressing you out because I'm there with you. Um, tell me a little bit about what, like, your biggest pain points are. And then I just take it from there. I, you know, I always start off, like, my first couple of meetings addressing their biggest pain point. Mm. So, like, I think a lot of advisors can, like, sidetrack on things that they find important. And that's great. Like, yeah, if you see somebody that has no estate plan, like obviously you can like jump and fill, try to fill that in. Cause it's, it's an urgent thing for you as an advisor. Cause you, you've been taught like, Hey, like that, that needs to get knocked out and it should, it should get knocked out quickly. But if their biggest stressor is the fact that they, they feel like they're not saving enough, maybe just like prioritize the budget like immediately and like show them how much they could save or, you know, what they're spending too much on and, mm -hmm. you know, like get, those what might seem more urgent matters a little bit later once they feel confident working with you, um, especially for people in, in my generation that, you know, we read about stuff like this in articles, but nobody's talked to them. Yep. Um, and mm -hmm. you have a lot of older generation people that they've already heard all of these like spiels. Advisors have been reaching out to them before. Uh, they know about budgets or maybe they know a little a thing or two. They've been to a couple of free lunches, right? Yeah. Um, those mm -hmm. people have a totally different, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know exactly seminar. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, mo most people in, in my generation, like, they, they don't go to those or, you know, they have no no invitation there. So I, I definitely try to reach out to them and be proactive with with things like that. And then I, like, you know, slowly drip in all of the other big topics, like, you know, getting disability coverage or getting, you know, an estate plan done and things like that. Mm -hmm. Once I've addressed their biggest pain point, but biggest pain point gets knocked out first, sometimes even for free. Yeah. Like sometimes people come to me and they're like, I am really stressing out about this. Right. And it's like taking a splinter, you know, off of somebody. Mm -hmm. And the sense of relief that they get, it's phenomenal. And like, yeah, sometimes people leave and that's fine. But that has been like my best conversion model. I like always do that like first big pain point, sometimes even for free. I've seen some advisors do that as well. Like I've seen another advisor who does like his first plan deliveries on the house. Mm. And I think that's an underrated way of getting somebody to trust you quickly. Some seriously great points that Angel makes when we were talking to him in that podcast. And I think one of the biggest things is talking to people and understanding what their pain points actually are rather than talking at people 
and just trying to tell them what you think they should do. Obviously, every time financial planners are looking at a plan, they're going to see things like, oh, yeah, we have to work on your you know, income to debt ratio. We have to work on your taxation. We have to work on your estate planning. We have to work on diversifying your portfolio. But just by tackling what the actual pain point is first, you're creating that immediate value and taking the splinter out, for lack of a better way to say it. So I think he makes some amazing points there. Up next, we've got Thomas Kopelman, and he talks about how he's built on Twitter and what's that, what that has looked like for him, and he's been one of the best at it. So this is really, really great advice and content that you're about to hear with Thomas Kopelman. Everybody's always told me that like, focus on quality. You'd much rather number one thing be quality, less quantity. And so I was like, well, how do I try to keep both, but really, really, really scale up quantity? Because I think like all marketing is in this space is like, how do you stay in front of people? So that way when they hit their pain point, they reach out to the person who gave them a ton of value for free. And like, this last 28 days, I've almost done a million impressions on Twitter. And like, and that's constantly growing. It was like 900,000 a month before, 800,000 a month before. So like this year, I'll probably do fifth, hopefully 12 to 15 million impressions on Twitter. That's 10 times what I did the year before. Do you think I'm not going to get 20 clients? Like right. there's no the way numbers game. All of that. It's, it's a numbers yeah. game. Everybody says impressions yeah. don't matter. Likes don't matter. All those things don't matter. But numbers do matter. Like the more people that see you, the more likely you are to get people that come in. And the other side of it too is like now all these other financial advisors that are networking on this space see me in this space and they're like, dang, Thomas knows so much about working with millennials. And like I nonstop am getting referrals from other financial planners who are like, they're not the right fit for us. Thomas is the only financial planner I really know constantly talking about this stuff. Why would I not send them over to him? And so it opens up a lot of doors. So obviously some really great stuff there. And I think one of the biggest things is looking back. I mean, if you were to go scroll through his LinkedIn or his Twitter, the one thing that he practices and preaches is consistency, consistency, consistency. And he has been so disciplined about it. And I try to do the same thing, which is why I know, (laughs) because I know how hard it is to consistently post on a daily basis and, and make it valuable. Up next, we've got Justin Costelli, talking about the XYPN study, which I find fascinating, and what it takes to build a practice if you're not seeing the results that you absolutely want to see. So here's Justin Costelli. Well, one of the things I want to touch on, because we went to XYPN live last year, and I'm going to make it a point to ask everybody that we talk to this, at least that's been a part of that community or knows about that community, they do a study, and essentially, um, out of the the first-year advisors, it's basically like you're going to make $14,000 your first year. Gross what revenue. Do you th- gross revenue. And so it's like, but a lot of the advisors that we talk to, including XYPN advisors, that's not what they're doing. They're doing a lot more than that. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when I talk to people, they're like, yeah, I'm doing it. You know, I'm creating content. I'm doing a newsletter. What are your thoughts on sometimes you just have to buck up and contact the natural market and make some phone calls and like just make it work until you can get it going and then you can be more selective about the ways that you want to reach out? Oh, I, I totally. If, if if you're not growing fast enough, then it's by any means necessary within like within reason. But yeah. cold call, mm-hmm. seminars, you know, I, I never had any issues um, working with friends. Now, I never hit my friends up, but it, I know some advisors don't want to work with friends and kind of blur that relationship. But you know, 
Carl Richards has a saying, and I don't know if he came up with it, and I always butcher it. I should memorize it by now. But basically, when it comes to having these conversations with friends or hitting your natural market, if you have a service that you believe will change somebody's life or help them, then you have a duty to let them know it. So it's it, you have a duty to let your friends know, hey, you know, I'm doing, I'm a financial advisor. I help people with their money. It's just figuring out how do you have that conversation? How do you let them know that is is a way that you're comfortable with it? So for me, it was just like, hey, put my, my put my content on my social media feeds and letting any of my friends who want to read it read it. And if they want to watch, they want to reach out, they can. Um, so you no, know, Brock, I think you're exactly right. You can't. You can't fail at your business because you're waiting for the content social media game, which we know takes time. So you're never going to have a bad conversation with Justin Costelli, and that's just another example of a great point that he makes about growing and doing what it takes to grow. I know, and I know that we listened to Thomas earlier, and growing on Twitter is great. I think that takes time, though, right? And so when you're first starting... And this goes for any business, not just family planning or insurance. It just takes time and you've got to do what you've got to do to be able to make it. And I think Justin does a great job talking about that. Up next, we have Tim and Alexis Woodward. And I always love talking to them. And this particular point is about how they utilize their individual strengths to grow as a team and how that's been challenging. Um, but one of the biggest challenges we have today, I wouldn't call it a challenge. It's just the nature of where we're at in our business cycle, having... Uh, been a newly launched firm, like growth is our biggest challenge. And so growth is supported by business development and networking and things like that. And because I'm more introverted, those are things that are harder for me to do. So with Alexis being more extroverted, more relational, like I, I, I realized early on, I had to give her full permission to manage my calendar and like, and just take it over and book appointments. Because if I had to book appointments for myself, I would just sit there at a blank screen and you know, just, it's kind of like writing, you know, you get a blank word document, you just stare at it, you know, and it just, the night before you hate to even think about it. So she does a fantastic job as part of her marketing social media networks that she's out there networking with people, puts time on our calendar. We both go meet with people. We, we have an opportunity to tell our story. Uh, we have an opportunity to hear their story. And regardless whether it's a client opportunity or not, just telling our story to as many people as possible yeah. and as quickly as possible is really our biggest challenge. So I know there's some relatability there. <laughs> um, I think so many people think about growth and they wonder how they can grow. And as a new business, that's obviously one of the biggest challenges that one can face is just growing and actually getting the thing off of the ground. So I love how they talk about utilizing their strengths and what they're both good at doing and how Tim kind of jokes around and says, <laughs> if I had to set appointments, I'd just stare at the screen. But he's an unbelievable planner and a super analytical person and alexis kind of brings that um, other side to the table so they do a great job together up next we've got leland gross and this is a really really fun conversation and super relatable for me because i kind of came from what felt like a similar culture to what he's about to describe and he talks about how now it's just so much more fulfilling and he loves what he does and talks about how he kind of went from the world of transactional relationships to fee-only planning. Um, I highly encourage the CFP for people, but for me, it, it posed not only as a credential, but an opportunity for me to see that value could be provided in a lot of other places, in a lot of other ways. And so I was just finding myself kicking myself saying, man, these things that I was signing people up for 
maybe they were great investments or insurance products, but they weren't taking mm-hmm. into account these people's taxes or their their spouse's employer benefits or anything like that. It was so um, one-dimensional. And so that was when I started kind of exploring a little bit more and saying there's got to be another way to do this. Um, and my uncle actually owns his own fee-only practice in Michigan. Oh, very um, cool. Yeah. And I remember when I started working at my prior firm, he was like, that'll be great. You'll learn exactly what you don't want to do. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. sometimes those are the most valuable <laughs> Bold lessons. statement coming in from the uncle. Yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah, I was like, I love my uncle to death, but I was like, Hey, like, this is awesome. I'm going to be doing great. And then like, after I got my CFP, I came back to him and said, okay, there was something to what you were saying. Yeah. I'm realizing, I'm realizing that I feel limited in my ability to provide value that, you know, I distinctly remember working with a household that their main planning issue was debt. They were just riddled with it. And so we were spending a lot of time doing that. And my boss came and was like, well, you should really encourage them to, you know, set up a life insurance policy or a 403B policy. And and even if that was good for them at the time during the plan, I don't think it was, but it was mostly just so that we could get paid. Mm-hmm. It was like we're yeah, commission it, it based. At this yeah, employer, no salary, no nothing. Eat what you kill. Yeah, one hundred percent commission rates. Sell annuities. Um, yeah, yeah. And and I don't think that that's a bad career field. I just feel like what I was longing to do was financial planning. Right. But I was in a space that said we did financial planning, but did mostly product sales, and so it felt like I was always trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Yep. Um. So I, so I reapproached my uncle and um, he gave me a couple of resources and encouraged me to look at XY Planning Network. Um, and so a I just smart started. Man. <laughs> yeah, which is funny. He's not actually a part of XYPN, but he, he had kind of said if I was starting out at this point, I would look at resources like that. Yeah. Um, so I reached out and just kind of got involved in the Facebook group, got involved in, in different places there. And the type of conversations that were happening, even just in a Facebook group, mm-hmm. we're so far beyond the conversations that were happening at my old firm, talking about, you know, providing real value, talking about these complex issues mm-hmm. and talking about from a business perspective, hey, I'm working with this client. I don't think they're a good fit, but I like want to provide them value. Is there someone else out here who fits this mold who would want to work with them? It just flipped yeah. the script for me from being so competitive, so transactional to so much more of like an abundance. Hey, let we have these clients here. They're not a good fit for me. Who could they be a good fit for? Or hey, I'm I'm working with this client. I'm coming up against this issue. Can someone help me? Yeah. And people being willing to respond. It was so just That's, that mindset alone was such a uh uh, paradigm shift for me. Talk about some amazing points from Leland. And I know a lot of you out there listening right now can completely relate to what he was just talking about and going from that world of transactional relationships to actually feeling like you're serving your clients in the right way. And um, I just thought he had some ama- so many amazing points there. Up next, we've got Sylvia Menent. And she is very direct to the point and does a great job building her practice on Instagram. But this particular point relates to watching your expenses and not hiring coaches just because. Half of consistent daily content of showing up every day for you to actually start getting mm-hmm. gaining traction. 
the first that's what I would say number one the second thing that I would say is stop spending money on branding and marketing and and coaches that I have not done what you want to accomplish there's a lot of people teaching stuff out there that mm-hmm. have not done it themselves and 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 so or either they're failed advisors and then now they're teaching you how to become an advisor so don't take advice from those people only only listen to successful advisors and people that have done what you've done um, no you're on to something there because it's like why would you be taking advice to someone who couldn't do exactly what you're trying to do like that doesn't make yeah. any sense at all but you'll be surprised like i even started when i started i was like oh this coach this coach and then i realized they were just like if they really knew how to do my job they would not be teaching it to me they yeah. would be doing it themselves so like i mentioned <laughs> sylvia is pretty to the point. And um, I think that's a great thing, honestly. And I think she makes an awesome point about the coaching. And I'm not going to sit here and say that there aren't great coaches or there's not people that can really steer you in the right direction and help you understand things and help you reflect on business goals and ideas. But you do have to ask yourself, if they're coaching me on something that I need to be good at, why aren't they doing it? And sometimes other advisors act as coaches to other advisors, right? So it's not all bad, but um, I think she makes a really good point there. Up next, we've got Mr. Cody Garrett talking about compensation models and the um, kind of odd thing of everybody talking about how much AUM they have. <laughs> and, you know, everybody knows that's a thing in the industry. And he kind of goes into, you know, why we should talk about what we do rather than talking about how we charge. Like when we, when I go to these industry events where you go to a country club, everybody's dressed up in their suits and ties and people introduce themselves like, Hey, I'm John. I manage a hundred million, million AUM. Right. Like <laughs> let, let, let's start that conversation. Being yeah. like, Hi, I'm Cody. I, you know, hi, I'm Cody. I provide financial education to DIY investors so they can manage their own money successfully. Let's, right, yeah. let's introduce ourselves. Let's put under our tag on Twitter or LinkedIn. Let's actually say what we do, not how we charge for what we do. Cause it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard because I'm a cheerleader for advice only, but yeah. people assume that I'm, I, I'm not passionate about how I charge for it. My service process and fee are all on my website so that I can spend all my time with a client learning about them and their yeah. family, not trying to convince them to pay me a certain way. So short and sweet there, but if you know Cody Garrett, <laughs> well, frankly, if you're in the world of financial planning or feeling financial planning, you probably know the name Cody Garrett because the guy is truly making quite the splash in the industry. And I think he's doing a great thing. And he's all about giving and doing the right thing. And he just is doing such an unbelievable job at growing and he's doing it so quickly. And I think it's because he has opinions like that because he's straightforward and he believes that you should tell people, you know, the services that you provide, not how you charge. And he's truly changing the way that people look at financial planning and the way that they approach their practice. So great stuff. Up next, we've got Justin Green talking about niching and making sure that uh, you're focusing on a specific group of people. I kind of chickened out when I launched. So I was like, oh, I work with millennials and fitness entrepreneurs, uh, where I should have just went all in right away. I was just, you know, I loved everything about the idea of niching down. But for anyone who's ever done it, if they're starting with no income, it's really scary to be like, actually, you know what? I'll just turn down 99.9% of the people that want to like come work with me. 
And so I, I broadened it a little bit. I was like, oh, I'm going to work with millennials. But then I realized within a couple months, maybe like four or five months, I was like, it's hard to work with millennials without a, like a more narrow niche because whether it's like millennials with student loans or millennial professionals with uh, stock options, uh, millennial business owners, like if not, you have to know a little bit about everything. So I kind of started narrowing it down. I always knew I wanted to go the fitness route. So I just got really immersed in that community. And then I, I finally, you know, after a conversation with uh, Colton Etherton, uh, he goes by the tattoo artist advisor. Yep. We were both doing the same thing, like kind of like millennials, yada, yada. And then uh, he actually was quicker to implement it. He went in on the tattoo artist advisor. And then I was like, all right, it's like, you know, it's time to do that as well. Um, for me. So I narrowed in on it. I launched the podcast at that time. And uh, one of the greatest decisions I would say that I made was launching the podcast just because uh, it's been amazing to just meet individuals in that community, hear their stories. Um, and I've just been blown away by some of the stories and some of the people I've met just in the short time of doing the podcast. So there you have it, guys. Some of the greatest moments from some of the advisors that we've talked to thus far. Hope it was super valuable and that you guys got some good stuff from that. We will, like I said, be coming out with quite a bit of podcasts coming up here soon. Um, I think we're recording something like eight next week. So there's going to be plenty of more content. We're going to have some awesome, awesome guests that are pretty well known throughout the financial planning community. And I'm sure we'll have some awesome things to say. So until next time, take it easy and we'll talk to you soon.